Good afternoon, everyone. This is Tisa and Katie with Hearts, Hooves, Turquoise, and Trauma. Today we have a special guest. It's a North Dakota native, professional horse trainer and clinician. He's been riding horses for the public since 1981. So we have a true, tried and true professional, I would say. And you're all waiting to hear who it is. It's Phil Haugen. So we want to start talking. We have Phil on the other line. And how are you doing today, Phil? You know what? I am doing great. Thank you all for having me on. I sure appreciate it. Um, our first question, we're going to just dive into it a little bit. We know everybody um, has different life experiences, lots of, of challenges, and some people face them differently than others. We're just kind of wondering what your definition of trauma would be for people or even for horses, since you've maybe dealt with more horses than people. Yeah, yeah, I don't, that'd be a toss up. But, uh, you know, trauma to me, when I think about trauma, you know, our everything we remember, um, our memories are attached to an emotion. Everything you remember is attached to some type of an emotion. And I think a lot of times some of those emotions or events that cause those emotions that create a memory, good or bad, a lot of times I feel like those are some, not always, but some of them are traumatic events. And, you know, just like with the humans and horses, you know, it's just like a horse. You get a horse in a traumatic situation, like say a horse that's been bit by an electric fence. You can't hardly ride that horse close to a fence because they associate that with trauma or a traumatic experience. Well, I think sometimes as human beings, we're the same way. And we get in situations because of other things that have happened in our lives. And, and we, we get real apprehensive or we lose confidence in what we're doing. And so I, I, think, it's, I think it's really important we learn to deal with that, both on the horse and human level. That's a really, really uh, unique and cool definition, Phil. So who do you see, um, you know, being the, the leader more? Who's healing who? Is it, is it the horse or the human when people come to you for lessons and for clinics? Ooh, that's, a, that's another good question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, I've always said for me, the horse has taught me way more about myself than I've probably taught them. Um, but it's a process, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you're training a horse, you have to assume the leadership role. You have to, I just had a conversation today with a young trainer in New York that is struggling and the, she's struggling because she she's lost her confidence and her and her horse has lost her confidence. And like I explained to her, you know, when our horses have lost confidence in us and, and when you lose confidence, you also lose trust. And when that happens, it's our job to start rebuilding that foundation. And because until they have confidence and trust in us, you're not going to have it in them. You know, and I think that here again, horse-human relationship, that, that, goes, that goes both directions when you're dealing with horses or humans. But as far as who does more healing for who, 
uh, the horse has done way more for me than I've done for them. I think we're all in the yeah. same boat, Phil. We are all on the same side of the fence there. Sometimes yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if I can word this right. With the horse, how we do have to, you know, control our emotions and everything. Do you ever have yeah. to say, maybe in that confidence thing, fake it till you make it? Or what would be a a little go-to there? Because yeah. We have to put on a front. Yeah, you can. I, I talk about this a lot at my clinics. You you can't have two animals that are filled with anxiety and expect you're going to get a good result. It's just not going to happen. You know, you can't have two reactive animals butting heads and think you're going to get a good result. So in that moment, it's kind of like you say, you need to, even though human nature is we want to retaliate or we want to jerk, tug, pull, whatever. And believe me, I've done it all. I mean, you know, I've done it all in my early days. You know, I didn't, I didn't get it. And, but when I figured that out about horses that I needed to be the one that did not become reactive, I needed to be the one that helped them through those anxious moments. That's when my career took off. So in essence, you, you, you had to be in control of your own self to be the Absolutely. leader of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have, when you have people coming into your clinic and, and you say what you just said, um, you know, one of us needs to be a good leader. What are kind of your, your go-to characteristics for being a good leader for your horse, for your family, um, kind of for life? You know, I'll start with the horse, you know, a horse, all they want to know is what the answer is. And they, a horse is a very, very willing animal. But all they want to know is what, what is the answer? So I keep it real simple. Number one, understand what response am I asking for? And you, and you got to, sometimes you have to ask yourself that so that you can be specific. I mean, what exactly am I asking for? You know, secondly, how can I ask in a way that that horse understands? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to get to the same end result. Mm -hmm. But how can I ask in the best way for that horse to understand what that response is? And then the third thing is, is where's the release? Meaning when that horse finds the answer, when that horse finds that response, where's the release? Where are you going to reward them? Where are you going to, where are you going to provide that release so that they know Oh, that's what Phil was asking for. That's what Tista was asking for. You know, so those three things keep it pretty simple for me. What are you asking? How can I ask in a way that they understand? And where's the reward? Where's the release? Because that's, that's all a horse wants to know. Um, the anxiety in horses comes from frustration of not knowing what the answer is. And then the anticipation of, not knowing what the answer is, is what makes horses very reactive. And you see it all the time. So with that description, how, how do you use that kind of communication, that step-by-step ABC basis, I guess we're saying right there, to, if you use that communication with horses, how can you use that with relationships in your life or your communication with youth or even raising right. your children? You know, I've always 
I talk about this a lot too, you know, as, as I went through the training process, you know, these years, when you're, when you're communicating with an animal that does not speak English, you got to be a good communicator. You can't, I mean, and like tugging, pulling, kicking, that, that's, that's manipulation. And, and here again, for everybody out there listening, don't think for a second I didn't do that because <laughs> I did. I think the modern you know, word would be bullying. Well, yeah, it could be. <laughs> it could, could be. It could be. You know, and you know, I mean, you think about it. Of course, it's hard to. It's hard to. People don't apply that term to it very often, and the reason is you're dealing with an animal that's six times bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't think you can bully something that big. But you know that there's. You know, I grew up in that world where you know, for lack of a better term, we just didn't know any better and we just kind of manipulated them. And, uh, you know, you can use that in a certain way and you can still help them find the answer. And, but there's, you know, now, as we all know, there's a better way and communication. I mean, when you're, when you're dealing with an animal that doesn't speak English, your communication has got to be great. It can't be pretty good. Pretty good. Isn't good enough. I mean, pretty good. is just, you just have a horse where you and them, your connection is just okay. Well, just okay when you put speed with it isn't good enough, right? We all know that when you put speed with it, that's when the wheels fall off the wagon. So I think paying attention to detail when you're dealing with, like I said, an animal that doesn't speak English, I think... For me, as a husband and as a father, um, sometimes I just have to remind myself to, okay, communicate like they don't speak English. And when you can, when you communicate with somebody like they don't speak English, you're way, way more. um, What's the word I'm looking for? You're just so much more thorough and so much more patient. That's what came yeah. to my mind. Yeah, so that was really powerful. What you said, Phil, is that you have to be great. So when in your career was the aha moment? Like, holy smokes. Oh, like, yeah. Re- yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was back in Hannah. Well, see, my daughter Hannah is 28 now and she was probably two. And we were living at the first place we bought. It was, and you talk about struggling horse trainers. Now we bought a place with a, when I was moved down here, a single wide mobile home with nothing right wrong with single wide mobile homes. I mean, it got us started on 10 acres with nothing on it. And it was the, the whole place cost me 27,000. So that tells you kind of where I was at, but that, uh, so I had about, but I had, I had a good business. I mean, I had, I was at that time I rode all rope horses and I had 10 or 12 rope horses and it was a hot, hot day in the middle of summer. You know, I'd been riding most of the night and half the day and it had just been a rough day. You know, it just been tough. Every horse was tough and summers are summer training in the summers is tough down here. If you don't keep a good perspective. And, you know, I just remember getting out of the shower and looking in the mirror and I I looked and I said, you know what? You know, I'm pretty sure them 10 or 12 horses didn't get together last night and say, you know what, we're really going to mess with Phil today and make his day miserable. And uh, I, I just, you know, I just looked at myself and I said, you know, right now you kind of suck. 
<laughs> you you either get better or you go do something else because this you're this isn't the way it's supposed to be and you know that day and i'm so thankful for that day but that day i started i got back to working on personal development figuring out some things about myself learning to be better you know and you know, there are several phases of your life that you need to be working on. And I got about five that I work on. And, you know, I just got back to, you know, making myself better. Well, all of a sudden, my horses were better. You know, all of a sudden, I was more patient. All of a sudden, my communication was better. And, you know, I think everybody goes through that. You know, we all have those days that we're like, you know, right now, you kind of suck, you know, and I hope that's, not too hard a language for your audience, but no, that's, that's what I told myself. That day. We are, I kind of had a similar, usually I don't bring personal instances, have <laughs> I ever, but this weekend we were at a team roping and our boys roped together. They're, they're 13 years old. And yep. the first yep. rope, my son was doing okay. And then the second one, like he kind of sucked. He bombed three in a row and it wasn't <laughs> like him. And he's like, mom, my horse is ribbing out. I need to switch back to Melby. And I was like, no, Melby's tired, you know, and he kind of blinked back some tears. And I'm like, you know, well, you're going to figure this out or you're going to suck. That's just basically how it's going to be for the rest of this. And then he goes in and he late spins a nice one, his partner caught and he comes out and he goes, gosh, the first rope and Melby was working so good. I forgot how to ride. And then I went in there and I rode my horse and I spun the steer and I'm like, no kidding, buddy. You asked yeah. him and he gave you what he, what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good example right there of what we're talking about. The, the brain wires have to register for a minute, process, especially on 13 and 14-year-old boys. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let yeah, me tell no, you. No, you know, and like just like in that situation or, you know, and there's lots of examples like that. But yeah, you have to look at those moments where you feel like you're at the your lowest point and you have to. You know, now I look back on all those failures and those moments like that. And, you know, every one of them was a blessing, you know, because you you learn way more from failures and tough times than you do good times. You know, and that's that's, you know, we talk about that a lot at our clinics. You know, the challenges are guaranteed. Nobody gets a pass in this world, whether it's training horses or life in general, you're going to have challenges just accept it and know that you're going to have to deal with it and know that you're going to have to figure out how to get yourself out of some tight spots. And, you know, because nobody gets a pass. No. And I, I think there's too many people that it maybe unfortunately had to miss the boat on that one because of uh, upbringing or whatever. I mean, it's foundation with raising children and horses so much foundation, but once they get, you know, too old to a point, there's too many people resorting the other way. I mean, that's a whole nother topic, but the yeah. attitude thing and looking yourself in the mirror is easier said than done for most people. Well, if, if you want to be a great communicator with, with humans or horses, you it's really, really, really simple. Just be great at the basics. Be great at the fundamentals. At every advanced horsemanship clinic that I have, the biggest weakness everybody will have will be in, in a fundamental horsemanship principle. 
going 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 fast going fast is not a problem going fast and keeping the wheels on the wagon oh yeah that's a problem that's a problem yeah we're and we're in the performance horse industry we get that i wish t said i could just like um jump off this zoom call put our horses in the trailer and come for a ride <laughs> you come on you yeah. come on anytime <laughs> where are we yeah. at right now uh, we're, we're 20 minutes we we're got at 10 okay. minutes we have a few minutes okay um katie what was our next question do you ever think like boy where would my life be without horses like if i would to have that bay that bucked me off 17 times where the heck would i be yeah you know uh I, I thought a lot about that in the last year because I, so I, when I got inducted in the Hall of Fame there in North Dakota, you know, with, with uh, whatever you want to call it, your induct, induction speech or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I got to thinking back of the people that had helped me. And of course, my family is just, I just have an awesome family. And, but there were guys that helped me that didn't get anything out of helping me too you know and I tried to recognize them but at the end of it you know really and truly my my dad told my sister this one time he said uh he said you you know the best thing I ever did and she said what he said is it's when I bought that first pony and you know that was and you can tell that was kind of an emotional moment for me speaking there but you know he I don't I don't know what I would have done if he hadn't bought that first pony I mean everything I have my my family my career my friends you know it's because of that first pony what was that pony's name cookie cookie yeah so I do I am under the understanding and there's a lot of kids in this situation that need to hear the light at the end of the tunnel you didn't really grow up in a rodeo family but your family supported it 100%. Yes. Yep. And, and who were just a few of those specific mentors that maybe helped change and flourish your journey along the way? You know, I tell you what, I was really fortunate. Like uh, right up the road, there was a guy named Roger Halverson that roped a lot. in. Oh, North I know Dakota. Roger. Yeah. Yep. Roger, Roger lived right up the road. And, and, you know, looking back, of course, I was just this, you know, eager kid that wanted to rope. I mean, there wasn't anything in it for him, really, especially initially. You know, I'd go up there and I'd run shoots all night long and maybe get a run a couple at the end. And some nights I didn't run any. And then, but I did this and I kept showing up like I would not go away. Mm-hmm. Well, before long, and then my dad had made me a dummy out of a sawhorse and just cut a steer head out of plywood and we kind of made this roping dummy and you know I wore that thing out 10 times over and you know before long I could catch and I I could catch pretty consistently well so by the time I was 12 and 13 Roger and then there was a another guy that roped with him a lot good friend of mine Monty Sandvik mm-hmm. um, pretty soon I was getting to go to the ropings with them and be their second partner and then um, Larry Sandvik and I were real good friends in high school and, and Duff Myers and we would go to Thoris's Larry's and get on bucking horses and and you know so we just and there were the, all those guys helped us and and you know it was uh 
you know, it's funny with the horse training, you know, I learned so much about horse training by riding bucking horses. Really? Because I learned, I learned how to, I learned how to get along with one. I learned how to sneak by one. I learned how to get away from one. You know, mm -hmm. I've been, you know, I've been doing this 42 years, knock on wood, and, and I've never broke a bone riding a horse. Well, I was in that club, but now I'm out of that club. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to be able to be in it. I'm not going to be able to be in it forever. I know, but but uh, you know, it's pretty. You know, I look back and a lot of those, so many of those experiences just benefited me with what I ended up doing with my career. Because you know, I had I had some success rodeoing, and at times I had a lot more than others. But I never really made it, you know. I mean, I never made finals, and I and I tried pretty hard. I was always broke, and but I'd get home from the rodeos. I always had customer horses, and I remember a lot of times getting home late, and I'd just go to riding, you know. And and I loved rodeoing so much that I kept working on my horse training so I didn't have to go get a real job you know and I think it was just God's plan that that's he was just preparing me for what I'm doing now so so you know, that that kind of brings me to one of our questions kind of one of the till end of it it is what is your why but I know your why has evolved so before you know growing up you were going to be a roper we were gonna you were gonna rodeo forever yeah. now you probably had to step back and say hey what am, what is this plan here? What's laid out in front of me and and take everyday challenges, maybe those bad horses or whatever, but you changed them into positives. So how did you find your why and how did it evolve? Maybe switch those around. How did it evolve and what is your why today? Well, I think your why changes as as you go through the different phases of your life, you know. Looking back, when I look back, you know, 25, 30 years ago, man, we were just trying to survive. You know, my, my why was how can I survive today? You know, and what do I need to do to, to pay my mortgage and, you know, pay my, make my land payment and pay fees and, you know, and so now it's, it's different, really how it's evolved into more of understanding that the real payback by helping others and like I love doing the clinics and I love training horses but but if people weren't getting more out of it than what it's costing them I wouldn't do it I could walk away today you know, but but the real payback is is when you hear from you know your students that you know I see it all the time where you know six months later all of a sudden they're winning or you know they've got they have so much more confidence in their horse and their, their communication is better. Well, when you, when you improve your confidence and your communication, you can't not win more. You will win more. That's all there is to it. You know, so now, you know, now my why is, is I just want to see if I can progress, help progress the industry and encourage people. You gotta, we need encouragers. We don't need, don't need, people that are critical of what you're doing you need to be encouraged it's just like what you are all, what you all are doing with your podcast that, that we need more of that you know people need to be encouraged I, 
we're, we're not even, we're barely tapping into our potential. Every one of us has so much more to give than we're giving. And we just, the only reason we don't do it is we don't believe we can. And so uh, that's what I want. You know, we just need to, need to understand they can be great. Really, that's really great advice, Phil. So I guess that kind of leads us to the end. If somebody needs a little bit of encouragement or they're not feeling so great about themselves and they really, you know, they've heard about you, they want to get in touch with you. What's the best way to get to one of your clinics or to come ride with you? How can they find you? You know, they can just go to philhaugenhorsemanship.com or follow us on Facebook, Haugen Horsemanship. I think we're on Facebook and Instagram and, um, go to our website and, and I'll tell you this too. They, they can, uh, I do a, a lot of calls. Some of them are scheduled. Some of them, people just text me and need to visit. And, and I get to everybody because you know what I've been there. I was that guy that didn't have anything and I needed, you know, I think sometimes if you can, there's so many times that we're just, on that fence and we just need a little encouragement little help thing that'll get you going and and i just you know i think that's super important well it's a domino effect even if it's just a piece of horse advice it's really trickles into your life or vice versa you're giving life advice and it helps the horse because you can have that frustrated day at work and you go ride the horse when you know it's exactly i just liked so thankful I got to meet you at the expo and got to connect here. And we heard these North Dakota names and just to give our youth or people getting started with horses to know that you can just do it, step in and do it and believe you're great. We just really, truly appreciate this message you sent today. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of resources out there, just like what you're providing. And, you know, for the young people and and, you know, it's the same with older people, too, though. You know, I have a lot of customers that are, you know, 60, 65, 70 years old. And, you know, never quit swinging for the fences. Keep at it. Keep trying. You know, you can always, you can always get to another level. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, there's so many resources out there now for young people. So anybody that wants to do it, you can do it. You can do it. Awesome. Well, Phil, next time in you're in North Dakota, I bet you'll have a girl named T-Cent or a girl named Katie sitting there at the at the fence waiting for you to start for your next clinic. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. And I sure I sure hope I get a ride with y'all sometime. Oh, it'll yeah. happen. Well, we'll come see. down here and spend some time with me either way. Yeah, January. January. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I sure, I sure, I sure appreciate you having me on and, and uh, I need to get you all on my podcast next. Oh, wow. That would be, <laughs> that would be a dream, huh, Tisa? It would be. Well, thanks so much, Phil. We'll talk we, soon. We know you're busy. Bye-bye. All right. Appreciate you. Here. Thanks. Bye.